Hey church, Pastor Kyle here. Today I'm excited about our continuation in our series, How to Neighbor, because today we're looking at a specific set of neighbors and discussing how we can love them as we love ourselves. As we've been looking at throughout this series, there's a command of God, which is to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, but there's a second commandment like it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so today we're going to be taking a look at two groups of neighbors with similar needs who God calls us to love as ourselves. And in, in this case, in particular, there seems to be a lot of emphasis on, in Scripture on God's care for this group of people. And that group is really sort of two groups combined, which is widows and orphans. Now, as we'll see, those groups do have some differing needs, of course, because of who they are, but they also have some similarities, some commonalities amongst the needs they have that we could consider meeting as we love our neighbors. Now, to give some background about this, in ancient society, in, in Jesus' day and before in ancient Israel, widows and orphans were considered the most uh, fragile people. To not have a father or a husband meant you didn't have a provider. There wasn't someone to put food on the table. There wasn't someone to protect you. There wasn't someone who owned land or a home to house you in. And so it was really a big deal to be widowless or fatherless. And so God, in his love, chooses to provide for these individuals, but also to call his people to care for them, not to overlook them, because sadly it was far too easy to overlook these needs in their community. And I would argue that even today, these needs are often overlooked by us and society as a whole. Now, as we talk about the widow and orphan today, I want to be sort of specific in, in how we, what we mean when we say those two. And speaking about things aren't the same as they were long ago, we need to think about, okay, so then what does that mean now? Who could these people be in our society? And so, because knowing that these are individuals who, uh, you know, were vulnerable populations. They were individuals who were uh, socially and relationally isolated, whether that was because of uh, the death of someone in their family or just because they were cut off for one reason or another. I think we could extend this to give us a broader category of people in our modern society. I think we can include men who are without spouses. So this is widows and widowers. We could include people who have been estranged from their family for one reason or another. We could include divorcees who have been abandoned by a spouse. We could include single adults and single parents and people who don't have an immediate family group around them. I think we can include caretakers. Some individuals have a, a spouse who ends up with a disability, a disease, or an injury that, that takes them away from them emotionally, relationally, for some reason. And even though the love is still there and the family unit is still there, for some reason their needs might not be getting met in the full entirety of their desire. I think we can include our elderly who have kids and grandkids who seem to neglect them. So when I talk about the widow and orphan today, what I'm really talking about though is those individuals who don't have social and relational support systems immediately at their disposal. So as I say this, I, I, I don't want to imply though that these individuals are weak. 
Some of the strongest individuals I know are those who, who are widows and those who have grown up with distant families. They have steeled themselves. They have toughened up and pushed through uh, incredible obstacles and, and they have made themselves a very good life under, in many ways, their own strength. And so it's not to call these people weak or inferior, but what we're seeing is that there is a, a group of individuals who have similar needs that God cares for and invites his people to step into to meeting those needs. And so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about a group of neighbors with sort of some similar needs who we can love as we love ourselves. Now, if you're to go through Scripture and look for all the places where we see this idea of God's care or him calling his people to care for the widow and orphan, you would find passages all throughout Scripture. You can find passages in Exodus, in Deuteronomy, Saul, and in Ruth, in Isaiah, in Zechariah, in Acts, in James, in John, in 1 Timothy, and many more different books. There is a clear emphasis and call from God on this group of people. Some examples in Psalm 68 verse 5, we read that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, and he is God in his holy dwelling. In Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 18, we read that that God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigner residing amongst us, giving them food and close. So there's God meeting this group's needs. In Exodus 22, verse 21 to 24, we see that it's not just about his provision, but he actually essentially curses those who uh, go against the widow and the orphan, who go against those who are defenseless. We read in those verses, do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. And so he's speaking to his people of Israel. But then he goes on to say in verse 22, do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. And so God is emphasizing with a point his love and care for the oppressed, for the defenseless, for the vulnerable, for those without the support and relational needs being met. And so this should then cause us to ask a bunch of questions. And so today we're going to sort of look at three things, consider three questions as we go through. The first thing is what does God's love of widows and orphans teach us about him? What does this show us about who God is? The second question we have is then what are the needs of this group of individuals? And then third, how can we respond to those needs? What does it look like for us to practically meet the needs of our neighbor? And so as I say, it's abundantly clear that God has this love. We, we, we read uh, in, in Psalm 68 that he's a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widow. In Deuteronomy 10 18, that he defends them, that he loves them, that he gives them food and drink. And so this, of course, all teaches us that God is a great God of compassion. God loves people. He's moved out of his heart to care for those in need. He, he hates to see the people he's created hurting. And so God is a God of compassion. 
In fact, if you look at many of the descriptions of Jesus throughout the Gospels, you will see time and time again, it consistently says that he was moved in his compassion, that he showed compassion upon people, that he was compassionate to this group or another. God is a God of compassion. But he's not just a God of emotion and compassion. We see that he is a God who responds to the human condition. He responds to meet our needs. In a moment, we, we, as, uh, we'll see what some of these needs are, but what we see is that God responds to those needs, that he meets them. Scripture tells us that he provides for the needs of his people, and obviously we see that most specifically in his love for us and the forgiveness of our sins. We also learn that who no one cares for, God cares for them. When there's someone who gets neglected, God doesn't leave them neglected. God steps in in those ancient days as the widows and orphans were overlooked. God actually comes in and he writes a, gives them a commandment to write down. He says, write this down. You are to care for these people. Do not overlook them. I will put it in the law that you will treasure. This is my desire. And as he does that, he explains that his love for them is extravagant and we should do the same. Not only does God call us to meet the needs, but he demonstrates the meeting of the needs. He gives them food and clothing. But what we also know as we look at the whole of Scripture is that we're supposed to understand that there's not just physical widows and orphans, but there's also spiritual ones. We're told in Scripture that we are built, we are hard, hardwired for a loving relationship with God, but because of our sin and brokenness, we die. In this case, it's not God who dies and leaves us as a widow and orphan. It is us who have killed that relationship through our sin who end up as widows and orphans. We are lost. We are strange. We are vulnerable. We are on the road to death without God. But God steps in. He sends his son Jesus to enter into relationship with us. We see this constant picture in Scripture where Jesus is the groom and the church is his bride. And so Jesus marries us. He takes the widow from being alone to being into his family. He takes us, the spiritual orphans, those who, who have nothing and we're on our own and we're, we're about to experience certain death, and he adopts us into his family. God's love is extravagant. And so even though this was all our own fault, even though it's because of our destruction, God steps in and shows extravagant love to those who need it most. And so while we as Christians understand that we were once widows and orphans and God has moved us to be in his family, in relationship with him, adopted children of God, we know then that yes, we can't meet the, the spiritual needs of those people except to, to point them towards Jesus and to allow God to use us to, to use the spirit in our lives to, to win people for himself. Well, we can't, well, that's all we can do. We can, though, meet physical and tangible needs. We can meet relational needs, emotional needs, and the needs of, of many other different categories, which leads us then to ask, what are those needs? If we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves, and if, if our neighbors are, are widows and orphans, what, what do we need to know about some of the needs they face so that we can step in and meet those needs? Now, what I want to say before I give the, this list is this is a general list. 
It's not specific. Every individual has unique needs and some of these needs are more acute than other needs. And so as we think about loving our neighbor as ourselves, what I don't want you to do is to take a list and say, okay, I'm going to superimpose this on my neighbor's life and, and I'm going to assume that they have all these needs in this way and, and I'm going to just meet those needs. That, that's not really caring for the individual. Our call is to care for the individuals to the best of our ability. As we would want someone to specifically care for us, we so go and care specifically for them. This should overflow out of a heart of love, not out of a duty. So here are some of the needs that these individuals might have. The first need is grief. The loss of another of a loved one, whether that is through death or through abandonment or any other circumstance, leaves people to process a lot of grief. And so many individuals, whether they're widows or widowers, whether they've been estranged or abandoned, whether they're a child who's lost a parent, these are individuals who have grief. And, and the best way to process grief is in relationship. And if they don't have immediate relationship, they need people to walk alongside of them to care for them. Out of that, a second need is, is the need to have relationship. These individuals may experience immense loneliness. Every single one of us knows that we have a need for relationship. Even the, the most hardcore introvert needs certain relationships to keep themselves going. And so what we need to do is enter in and offer relationship, friendship, and love. You know, one of the things that I've heard from many single individuals, from whether they're widows or single parents or just single adults, is that they say that our world, even our church, is built around family. We idolize family in many ways, and we build our structures and systems. We talk about those things more than anything else. And so these individuals often feel that they don't fit in. They, they feel like sometimes like they're a burden. They might feel as if they just don't have a place to call home in relationship. And so then the need that needs to be felt is for these people to be embraced and adopted into our families. Another need is that they may be vulnerable. Just as in ancient time, sometimes when we lose a loved one, we lose some of our financial support. You know, a lot of people through COVID have lost jobs. Now, if you were a, a two-income home, perhaps one of you kept a job and one of you lost a job, and so you still have that support system. But someone who's alone might never have that opportunity for someone else to provide alongside of them. People feel socially vulnerable. They, they don't have someone to back them up, to care for them, to relate with them, to, to step out and make new relationships with, and so they might feel vulnerable. There's also those, and this particularly becomes acute in, in the lives of, of elderly individuals, is they feel vulnerable physically. They're worried about getting sick. Who's going to care for me? What if I fall down and I can't get up? Who's going to find me? This can be, become incredibly overwhelming. And the need for people to support and to come alongside addresses that need of, of being vulnerable. You know, it's hard to be a single parent. I, I can't imagine. And those who I know who are single parents are incredibly strong, but sometimes they become overwhelmed because they don't have that tag team partner to swap out with them. 
a child who doesn't have parents, whether because they're dead or they've been emotionally or relationally abandoned, now needs to face decisions that they've never faced before. They, they might see, be overwhelmed by the possibilities of life and just not know which way to go. And that leads us to also this need of godly example in anyone's life. We all need someone to be a godly example in our life. But this is so true for those who don't have immediate family connections and relationships that can provide it. I mean, the truth is, at least in my life, I know that, that my family is often the tool that God uses to, to sanctify me, to do work in my life, to help me become more and more like Jesus. Uh, the conversations we have guide me and point me to where God wants me to go. And so when I think about a kid who doesn't have parents, who, who's bouncing around in a foster system, or who, you know, has not been adopted, or maybe they're just older and the parents are, are removed from them, these people need someone to point them towards Jesus and walk alongside them to, to help them grow and mature in what is truly the most important thing, which is that they would no longer be spiritual widows and orphans, but they would be in the family of God. You know, as we think about these needs, I want us to, to really wrestle with how prevalent they are. As I sat down this week, I thought, well, how many widows are there in our community? How many orphans are there in Abbotsford? Well, I, I did some re research and digging in, and in 2019, there, there were 1.9 million widows, just people who had lost a, a husband who had died in Canada. That didn't count for people who had been abandoned emotionally. That didn't count for people who were separated because their spouse is in hospital or in a different care facility. That doesn't count for the, for the single adult who's doing it on their own, who's experienced divorce or separation. That doesn't include the kids who don't have parents. This is an overwhelming crisis. You know, as I thought about my circles, whether it was our church or the complex I live in, I thought, you know what, I can probably name, you know, five, maybe six people who are there. And so I sat down and I started to think, okay, who is my neighbor who might fit into this category of a widow or orphan, and suddenly I became quite overwhelmed. As I started to look around and, and see that there were individuals with these needs, I realized there's five or six of them just who live in my townhouse complex. Then there's dozens of them who are connected to our church family. And then there's even more who are in circles of where my kids go to school and the activities we participate in and, and just our neighborhood in general. And, and I, I became just struck by the immense need that's in our community. And even though we might consider these people neighbors and love these people, we often don't see them as having some of the needs that they may have and, and we overlook it and neglect it. And that just called out to me as being an issue that we need to rectify as a church. We need to step in to love these people because God loved them first. In James chapter 1 verse 27, we read this call that we have. This is the call. Religion that our God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphan and widows in their distress. He invites us to participate. We also see this in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. 
In these cases, when we, when we hear words like religion, this isn't talking about institutional systems that we need to do, but we are called out of a personal faith. If we want to live what God considers to be pure and faultless, what we have to do is step into loving the widow, the orphan, to seeking what is just in their lives, to meeting their needs relationally. We are called to come to them. And let's be honest, this is easy to ignore. Because even if we love those individuals, sometimes because we don't relate to their needs, we ignore them. Or we just say we don't understand and leave it at that. It's easy to justify and say, you know what, but there's systems for that. Our government has programs and, and there's things in, in our community that will meet those needs and, and we just leave it to them. But I would say that that does not reflect the heart of God and it certainly doesn't live up to what he calls us to do. As a church, I believe that we need to not only hear the gospel, but we need to live it out. We need to be the good news of who Jesus is in motion and in action, and so we need to step into it. We need to seek up, to seek justice for those who are defenseless. We need to seek what is right in the lives of those who have oppression, and we need to seek love and relationship and community for those who are estranged from having that in their lives right now. God wants us to embrace his passions and step into it. So how do we do that? How do we live out what God is calling us to do? Well, the very first thing we got to do is we got to pray. We have to pray that, we, that God would comfort and bring them peace. We thank God. We invite him to do more of it. But we also pray that God would open our eyes and let us see open doors, open opportunities that we can step into to love others like he calls us to. Now, as you do that, I promise you that you're going to need to do it with boldness. God asks us and invites us into this. And so I believe that if we pray for this, God's going to say, all right, here it is before you. What are you going to do next? Be prepared. Pray for courage. Pray for boldness. Pray for the eyes to see what is right. But then don't just pray, but begin to investigate. You know, sometimes as, as believers, it's easy to just sit back on our heels and, and thank God for what he's done in our life. And we say, hey God, if you happen to bring something on by me, I guess I'll step in. But what God wants us to do is he says, I want you to go seek justice. I want you to seek righteousness. I want you to go defend. These are action terms. These are things he's inviting us to step into. So we need to go investigate where the possibilities lie. We need to go talk to those in our community and hear their needs. We need to go into our community and look for organizations that we can partner ourselves with to bring the good news of God into those fears, to, to, to meet with people who don't have relationships, who don't have some of these needs, who have vulnerabilities, and we need to step in and bring the good news of who Jesus is to them. And as we investigate, as we listen, as we learn, we then respond in action. Don't let this just end at a mental game. Don't let this just end in uh, something that stirs your heart and breaks your heart, but actually work to eradicate the issues that are in our community. If you see someone who has a need, make a meal. Make a phone call, write a note, take a package by, help them with a project. Consider maybe even making room in your own house. 
Maybe one of the things that breaks your heart is that there's hundreds of kids in our community and around our country who are up for adoption, who need a family, who love them. There's kids who need Jesus to, to be modeled for them. Maybe you have room in your home to foster or adopt a child, to lead them in the way of Jesus and to show them that they are loved and valued by God. Maybe there's a senior you know who you can adopt into your family. Sure, it's not going to be a legal process, but this is somebody who you can invite in to be a part of your family. Have them at meals. Bring them to Thanksgiving, to Christmas. Make this someone who you regularly call and contact. Let them know that they are loved. Let us step up to the call of the widow and the orphan. Let us live up to the worship that God calls us to by loving these neighbors as ourselves. But as I do that, as we do that, let, let, let me encourage you, let me remind you of one very important thing. That this should all be done out of a gospel-saturated compassion. We cannot do this out of pity. You know, compassion is what walk is when someone walks beside someone through something. Pity is when we walk ahead of them and drop breadcrumbs along the way compassion is in for the long haul pity's in to check the box or to make ourselves feel good with compassion the gospel motivation never dries out and so it, the gospel needs to be our motivation and goal let us love people out of that let us not take pity on them they don't need that now you might be sitting and saying, yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's, let's sign up. What can we do? Well, yeah, you can go and pray and investigate, but we'd also invite you to take part in something that we're going to do together corporately over the next couple weeks. As you may know, just down the road from our church, I can, I can almost see it if I could just stand out and look that way. Not, not quite, but I know it's there, is the Hallmark Residences, which are seniors living residences just down the road at Fish Trap Creek Park. And there, there are hundreds of seniors who are living, many of whom live in isolation. Whether that's isolation because they don't have a loved one with them, whether that's because of COVID and they have protocols which keeps people from coming to them, we know that there are many widows who are sitting in that building alone. And so what we did is we asked the chaplain of Hallmark who happens to attend our church, are there people who we could reach out to? And he gave us a list of, of 50 names of widows and widowers who live in the buildings close to our church who could use love and community. And so what we would invite you to do is consider writing a note, create a card, make a poem, draw a picture, drop a gift, and bring that to the church where we will then uh, send it with this chaplain to Hallmark to share the love of these people. These people might view us as strangers, but we have the opportunity to see them as neighbors. Let us be the neighbors that God calls us to be to those in our community. If you want to do this specifically, what's going to happen is tomorrow we're going to send out a How to Neighbor newsletter. And in it, we're going to list the 15 first names of these individuals. And in some cases, just a little description of, of one of their needs or what's going on in their lives. And you can write specifically to address those individuals. 
Or if you don't want to do that and you just want it to end up on the right person's door, just, just write a note, write a card, draw a picture, whatever it is that you feel prompted to do and bring it by the church. And over this next week, uh, our staff are here from Sunday to Thursday. You have opportunity to bring those things by and we will send them to that home to say, hey, we love you. We care about you. God cares about you. We're thinking about you. We're praying about you. And in fact, that's one thing that I encourage you to do. As you write, write a note for these individuals, write a note for yourself. And in that note, write down the person's name. Consider writing down a time that you can pray for them. Every day at lunchtime, maybe, you're going to say, I'm going to pray for this person who's not just a stranger, but is a neighbor. A person who's not nameless, but who is known by a loving God. A person who lives in my community, who I can love as I love myself. Church, we can make a difference. We can do this together. We can do the many individual things that we might be called to as we investigate what is in our community. But I believe that God wants to use us now as a church to love the widow and the orphan, to see his kingdom break into their lives and the lives all around. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word and lord we thank you for the call you've placed on our lives and lord it's a big ask it's a big ask to us when we just think about it on its own but lord god when we put it in comparison to how you have loved us and what you have done for us god we realize it's actually a very little thing lord god we surrender ourselves recognizing that everything we have is ultimately yours and God, we, we know that what you call us into is something that is a far greater purpose than the purpose that we derive in our own lives. Lord God, we know that there are many in our community who need your love. They need not just your love, but the love of others. And so God, I pray that as a church, we would step up to meet that call. Lord God, would we do it out of a gospel conviction? Would we do it with compassion and love and never with pity? But Lord God, would we do it? Would we be motivated? Would we be energized to make a difference in our community? Lord God, as there are hundreds and thousands of people still feeling isolated because of COVID, Lord God, we want to step into that. Show us ways that we can enter in, even with those restrictions that are in place to love our neighbor as ourself. And so God, I ask that you would take this group of people, spread around many different homes across not just one city, but many cities. Lord God, would you take us as your people and use us to accomplish what you call? Lord, would you use us to love those you love the most? We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.